0: We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business. Well, too often, nonprofits think they're the cause that the community wants to support. But nonprofits are not the cause. They're the conduit for the cause. So argues my guest on today's show. My guest today is Bill McKendry, and he's a marketing expert. Having spent 35 years successfully doing marketing for many for profit companies, he pivoted out of the for profit world to not only start a nonprofit, but now has become an author of a book focused on helping nonprofit professionals with how to build better brand awareness and increase their impact, while at the same time building donor support and community involvement. Enjoy today's show. Well, Bill, it's great to have you on the show today. Now, you've written a new book, Do More Good, Moving Nonprofits from Good to Growth. This is a book which provides a framework for nonprofit professionals really to build brand awareness and increase their impact. Now, we're going to dive into this book in just a few minutes. But first, let's get an overview. I'd like to know a little bit more about your nonprofit and why after 35 years in advertising did you move into the nonprofit world and start this nonprofit organization?
1: Yeah. Like I said, I, I, cut, my, I cut my teeth early with a, with a large ad agency that was based in New York and had a Denver outpost. And I worked on things like American Express and Dodge and Taco Bell. And so I cut my teeth on some of the biggest brands in the world and learned you know, a lot of wisdom from them on you know, how to really break through and how to position and how to differentiate and how, how it's key to understanding. A, marketing isn't about just throwing a bunch of information out to the marketplace. That's called content. Marketing is about differentiating and positioning your organization to make it stand out from other alternatives. And those all other alternatives, as we'll talk about a little bit later, may surprise you what the other alternatives are. It isn't necessarily a direct competitor. Your indirect competitors may actually be your biggest foes altogether. All and that's especially true in the nonprofit world. But you said that, how did I move, right? You know, And so... After being very successful in the, in the for-profit world, you know, I reached a point in my career where I looked at my career and I looked at my happiness and said, am I doing everything that I can, you know, to make myself happy? And when I looked at my career, I said, I, I still felt empty. Uh, I felt like I was, I was good at selling stuff, but was I really living a purposeful life? And everybody's looking for, you know, greater purpose, right? For me, I'm a faith-based person, and so I, I asked myself the question, did God create me just to sell tacos and toilets and vehicles, right? Or was I created for something else? You know, were, were these gifts given to me for some other reason? And I came to the determination at that point, this was in 1994, that uh, I wanted to do something different with my career. And it was a big risk, and I left the big agency world. I took on a partner who also worked at another big ad agency Chicago. Leo Burnett, he had worked on McDonald's and Hallmark and Gatorade. He actually did a six years worth of McDonald's Super Bowl ads. I mean, that's how well known he was. We were both at the same place at the same time and said, our careers are fulfilling, but could they be even more fulfilling? And could we use our gifts and our talents for things that really made a difference, not just made us money? And uh, and so we set out on that path in, in, in 1994. I tell people, you know, in 2022 now, that you know it's easy to look back and say oh that makes total sense you know that you would kind of have that halftime moment and uh, decide in your career that you're going to make a pivot and you're going to work more for meaningfulness and making a difference ra- you and know, significance rather than you know just making money right the, the problem is is in 2022 that sounds very logical in 1994 that wasn't logical at all
0: that's so interesting you were absolutely right in the sense that today's world we're very familiar with social enterprise and and corporations having a social impact director even where they're really emphasizing making a difference, not just making a dollar. And yet you were way ahead of this curve in terms of wanting to do that and then moving into the nonprofit space. Secondly, to improve the marketing efforts of nonprofits. Now we talk about it all the time, but you're right back then you were very much on the cutting edge. So talk a bit about, you mentioned you've got a book, not just a nonprofit organization. And the book is also entitled Do More Good. What prompted you to write this? Book and what are you hoping listeners and readers will get out of this?
1: Yeah, so this book's been 25 years in the making, right? You know, people have been asking me to write a book for about 25 years, and and especially after seeing me speak and stuff like that, people would always ask me for my content, and you know, I would I would always give out copies of my presentation to people and stuff like that, and and so I've always I've realized for a long time that that people wanted my content and that they wanted a book. I guess things have been you know, over the last twenty-five years, especially have been changing so fast in the marketing world. I was, I was uh, tempted not to want to release too soon because it's like, you know, especially when you saw like the oncoming of uh, digital marketing, for example, and web marketing. I, I felt like, and there's just so much more I have to learn and, and get to know to really advise nonprofit organizations as best I could. And so now I feel like we're at that point where. I've got enough history, I've got enough uh, examples uh, for nonprofit organizations, and I've got a good enough grasp on everything that's out there potentially that they could possibly do to market themselves, where I can give them insights on what they should do, what they shouldn't do, what they should focus, focus on, not focus on. And so it was just really seemed like this to be a perfect time to, to release this book. What I hope that they gain from this is that wisdom that they need, really, to be able to grow their organizations. And I I feel like, you know, when you talk about, you know, back in 1994, you know, being a pioneer, we clearly were, I mean, marketing was like basically a four-letter word when you talk to most nonprofit organizations. And I I used to laugh because I would get introduced to, you know, I'd I'd convince a client that, you know, I should talk to their board or talk to their leadership team about marketing. And they would agree, you know, they would listen to me and they'd go, yeah, you got to come in, you know, and talk to our team. But then I would hear how they would introduce me. And I go this is Bill he's a he's a media guy or he's a PR guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't say marketing, right? It's like a, a bad say, word.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just say can you just say I'm a marketing guy? You know, is there anything wrong with that? You know? And uh, to them there was, you know. And that's because for them marketing is, you know, uh for whatever reason, they feel like any dollar that doesn't go toward the cause, right? is a wasted dollar, right? And so marketing to them feels like a wasted dollar. It's like, man, we can't take donor money and spend it on marketing. You know, that's irresponsible. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and the reality is, is, you know, you don't take all the donor money and spend it on marketing, but you know, your donors would like you to invest it and in wisely so that you grow and you get more donors and you're not so reliant on them as a donor and you grow your organization and you grow the impact of your organization. And so that's ultimately, you know, what all this content is about is, you know, can you work with the wisdom that the for-profit market, for example, works with and that they invest in this and they actually, not, they don't see it as an expense. They see it as an investment and they see it as an investment in their growth, not just in their ability to grow their organization, but to grow the impact of their organization.
0: Well, I like what you said that you've argued that the voice of the nonprofit world was simply not as strong as the for-profit world. And that's from your own personal experience. And so you've set out to help nonprofits not only find their voice, but to use their voice more effectively. So how do they best go about doing that? And question, are nonprofits really competing, and I got quote marks around there, are nonprofits really competing with for-profits when it comes to people's attention?
1: We clearly are. I mean, you you don't have to look much further than our culture to say that, you know, how much since like maybe the 1950s, you know, uh, how much our culture has grown from a nation of citizens to a nation of consumers. Consumerism and materialism is alive and well in America, right? And, uh, and I'm not anti-consumeristic. I'm not anti-business at all. Matter of fact, I know that most businesses, successful businesses, a lot of them are the biggest supporters of the nonprofit community. So we want the business community to be strong. What I want is the nonprofit community to recognize how they became strong and how they can become just as strong in their messaging and their marketing, right? And why that's critical is because they are, what they don't realize is nonprofits, when you ask them in really simple terms, what is it that you need to be successful? The reality is, is what they need is people's time and people's money. And in marketing terms, that means you need people's discretionary time and discretionary money, right? That means they could give to you or they could go buy something, right? And so what you want to do is you want to compete for that and uh, you want to get at least your fair share, if not more than your fair share. But the problem is, is I don't believe the nonprofit world is getting more than their fair share. I think the consumer world is getting more than their fair share. How do we balance that equation? Well, we say to the nonprofit world, get real and understand your competition is not another nonprofit organization. Your competition is some of the best marketers in the world. For discretionary time and money. So, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to let your marketing and your communications be ignored or be given to the receptionist or to some intern? Or Are you going to take this seriously, like the way Apple and Nike and Harley Davidson have done? You know, I, I push I push nonprofit organizations all the time. Those three brands specifically, because I, I love those three brands. I'm, I'm a big fan of all three of them. Right, but I always say to a nonprofit that it's really struggling with, you know, getting their messaging down to very digestible chunks of information that are motivating and moving and memorable, right. And differentiating, you know, they can't do it. Right. And then I, and, and part of it is I, I, I say, so I just, I want you to imagine for a moment, basically what you're telling me is that your organization is more complicated and more sophisticated than Apple, Nike, and Harley Davidson. Of course, of course, we're not. I go well. Okay, so you you admit that your logistics and your technology and your the size and scale of your organization are nowhere close to those three brands. And they, they, yeah, of course not. No, no, no. Those are major organizations. Yeah, but how did how did they get it down to three words, two words, and one word? And they go and they say, "What do you mean by that?" And I go, "Nike is just do it." Apple is think different, and Harley-Davidson is freedom, It's portable, memorable, right? Those are sophisticated organizations. They could go on for days, you know, their R&D, but no, they're smart enough to keep their message really simple, and they excite you enough to want to learn more about their organization.
0: I cannot agree with you more, and I think it's so interesting we're having this conversation. I hope my listeners are really leaning into this one. And in fact, at a broader context, you mentioned this. In fact, you argue that we've moved from a nation of citizens to a nation of consumers, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. What do you mean by that exactly, and why do you believe that's happened?
1: Because we've got a lot of good marketers, right? I mean, you know, I mean, I remember, you know, uh, I used to have a pastor that. Uh, would always you know bring up the fact that you know it's those darn marketing people and those darn advertising people that are causing all the problems, right? You know, and he always made sure he tried not to look at me, but he would look at me every time he brought it up, right? Yeah, and I and I and I told my wife, I you know after about the you know seventeenth time of him saying that, I go if he says that one more time when we're when I'm sitting there in church, I'm just going to bark something out, you know, in the middle of church. <laughs> and and she's like, oh, don't do that. And I go, no, I'm going to, you know. And sure enough, the next Sunday comes along, right. And he talks about how, you know, these darn marketing people and these darn advertising people are driving people away from the church and stuff like that. And I I just said, yeah, because they're smarter than you and they're winning the war.
0: Wow. Okay. How did he handle that one?
1: Right. And I go, that's why there's more people out there than there are in this church. And there's a lot more people sitting home on this Sunday than are going to a church. Right. And it's why churches are losing attendees all the time, right? It's because, you know, you can't sit and not innovate and not change your message and not update your message and not figure out ways to reach your audiences in new and surprising ways. And so, you know, let them win or you can just sit here and cry about it.
0: If we talk a little bit about corporations. And they you're right. They put so much time into marketing. They put so much time into advertising to making sure you're clear about their product. Let's talk a little bit about what we started with a bit, the social enterprise approach, right? And the social impact that a lot of these companies that have these huge marketing budgets now are putting some of that money and sometimes a lot of that money into their social impact wing of their corporation. Now, We've had people on the show talk about this before. So, my question to you, first of all, is: is there room, so to speak, for both for-profits who have a social impact emphasis? And nonprofits, that that's typically their space, is the room for both of us to you know, serve well? Or do you feel like now corporations are kind of encroaching, if you will, into the nonprofit space, and because they have bigger budgets and they have more of a marketing emphasis and they're better at it, that actually over time, this is really going to be detrimental to nonprofits? What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I, and I, I present it as both a problem and an opportunity. And uh, it's up to nonprofit organizations what they want to make of that, right? And so the, the opportunity is very clear. Businesses have learned doing good is good for the bottom line. And being perceived as doing good is good for the bottom line. Matter of fact, I think there's a national study uh, by Edelman, a PR agency, uh, last year that asked consumers, do you prefer to do business with businesses that you perceive are doing good or, or not, right? said they want to do business with businesses that are doing good. And that was across all age groups. When you get it down to people under 35, it gets up to like 97%. So the consumer today is saying very clearly to business, we need you to stand for something other than profitability. And, 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 And if you do, I'm willing to ignore maybe even price. You know, I'm willing to pay a little bit more to align myself with brands and companies that I see as doing good. And you see that today. You know, you, you see like North Face and Patagonia and Starbucks. These are premium brands. I mean, you know, in blind taste tests, you know, Starbucks loses the McDonald's all the time, right? In terms of taste of coffee. Matter of fact, the number one complaint about Starbucks and blind taste tests is that it tastes burnt, like burnt coffee.
0: I've heard that study before. Yeah, you're right. That's really fascinating.
1: So the, fa- the fact is that people make choices based on brands they love, and they're willing to pay more uh, for that. You know, Patagonia is not a cheap brand. I mean, they're not the cheapest clothing you can buy. Neither is North Face. And Starbucks is not the most, not the cheapest coffee you can buy, right? So people are making conscious decisions to support businesses that are doing good. So that's, that's, that's great that businesses have identified that. The opportunity then for nonprofit organizations, well, let me go back to, let me, let's stop back up and say, the problem is there's a lot of businesses today that are almost creating their own causes. So rather than working with a nonprofit organization who may already address the issues that they want to have addressed, whether that's the rainforest or whether that's, you know, uh, saving an animal population or, uh, you know, or, you know, uh, uh, cleaning up the streets or whatever it is, right? Chances are there's probably already a nonprofit organization out there doing it, but so many businesses just find it so hard to work with nonprofit organizations that they just almost become, that whatever they want to accomplish, it's almost like they create their own nonprofit to address that, right? And it tends to be inefficient as a result and not as pure and motive, right? And so, but the opportunity then is for nonprofit organizations to say, okay, we recognize this is a demand of the consumer for businesses. We recognize that businesses want to do this as a result. How do we partner with businesses that are interested in specific causes that may be related to what we do? And how do we sell them on the idea of partnering with us to accomplish that, right? And so I actually have a section in my book just to nonprofit organizations about how to approach businesses about partnering. And the number one thing that you have to really realize is in the business world, Success is considered to be a win-win proposition. So every business person I know says, hey, all I want to do is I win and you win, right? When we work together, it's a win-win proposition. And so I encourage nonprofit organizations to go in and change the script. Walk into a business person and, you know, and say, for example, you know, you know that this business has, uh, like recently Pottery Barn you know, is doing a plant a tree with every purchase, right? Well, the reason why Pottery Barn wants to do that is they're a major user of wood products. So it's really smart for them to be in the tree planting business because then they they can at least say they're doing something about the products that they're, you know, the natural resources that they're using, right? However, instead of walking into that business and saying, hey, when you partner with us, it's a win-win, bring in a triple win proposition. So say when you partner with us, It's a win, win, win. That means you win, we win, and the cause we're both trying to help wins. And you can do that best by working with us as a nonprofit organization because people will trust that we're applying those dollars in the right place. And we're going to be great stewards of that. People trust nonprofit organizations to do that. A business can't do that as well as a nonprofit organization because their motives aren't as pure. And so by partnering with the appropriate nonprofit, you're going to create this triple win that's impossible to create as just a business trying to approach this. And so I present it all the time to nonprofits as saying, it's both a problem and opportunity, but if you just don't do anything about it, it's just going to become a bigger problem for you.
0: We'll be right back. Are you looking for an easy and effective way to boost your nonprofit's donations? Look no further than DonorBox, the online fundraising platform that streamlines your fundraising efforts, maximizes donations, and simplifies giving for your supporters. With DonorBox, you can create beautiful donation forms, accept digital wallet payments, track donations, and send auto receipts. And the best part? There are no setup or monthly fees and no long-term contracts required. So what are you waiting for? Visit DonorBox.org today to get started. That is www.DonorBox.org. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I want to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, and even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. Now, finally, if you want to get my monthly email update that contains more resources in addition to these episodes, it's really easy. Just go to my website at nonprofitleadershippodcast.org and simply type your email address in the top right-hand box, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. And this way, you'll never miss any of the interviews or extra content from this show. And If you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to email me. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. I really like your perspective on the triple bottom line. The triple bottom line is fantastic. I mean, you're absolutely right. I do think corporations more and more really do want to make a triple bottom line you know, benefit for both them, the nonprofit, and the issue or cause that they're focused on. And I'm glad you're bringing that up because like, that is something we just need to continue to talk about. And again, I've had guests on this show. We've talked about some of the issues, whether it be the environment or hunger, food insecurity, et cetera. Some of these issues are so big. We can't do them just with nonprofits. We can't do them just with for-profits for that matter. We need to work together. And I would add, you know, other element would be government organizations and leaders to work with us too. So I'm glad you brought that up with your book. Let's go into a couple more things that you talk about in your book. You talk about building brand awareness and increasing a nonprofit's impact as a result of building brand awareness. What are the top three things that nonprofit leaders need to know in order to build their brand awareness today?
1: Yeah, I, you know, there's some things in, uh, in the book that I talk about. Number one, though, before we jump into that, I think it's just the mindset thing that we have to address first before you think about why you want to do branding and marketing, right? And so that mindset is so many... Ken Caldwell uh, is, a, is a guy that writes the forward to my book. And Ken's a very, very interesting guy in the sense that right now, he is in Colorado Springs. And he is chief marketing officer of a, of a nonprofit organization called Compassion International. And so they're child sponsorship, child hunger, they're solving world hunger, right? Well, what's interesting about Ken is before he became CMO at Compassion International, which he elected to do, he elected to go there after he was chief marketing officer of Domino's Pizza, chief marketing officer of Wendy's, and he was CEO of Papa Murphy's Pizza. So here's a guy that has, and he's why I asked him to write the forward to my book because he has both incredible for profit experience that he's bringing to the nonprofit world, which is exactly what I am espousing, right? And he has a really great perspective. He said, he said, The thing that he recognized when he came into the nonprofit world is too many nonprofit organizations see themselves as the cause. He said, They're not the cause, they are not the cause. They are a conduit to solving the issues within that cause, right? And so Peter Drucker once wrote for, about businesses that a business's only purpose was to create, a one and only purpose was to create a customer. If you can't create a customer, you don't have a business, right? You can say all day long that I, I think my products are great and my showrooms are great and my prices are great. But if they can't create a customer, you don't have a business, right? You don't have a sustainable business. Later on, Peter Drucker said, when he wrote about nonprofit organizations, a nonprofit organization has one and only one purpose, and that is to create a supporter. If you can't create a supporter, you don't have a, nonprofit, a sustainable nonprofit, right? And so, that's where you get that mindset of recognizing, you know, when you, when you can look at yourself and say, we're not the cause, we're not the charity, we're in business to help that charity, right? Our purpose is to raise the support to help that charity. Suddenly, now spending money on marketing sounds like a really smart thing to do because that's your job uh, is to raise awareness and raise funds and get the help that that cause needs. Right. So then, with that in mind, you know some things that I I really tell nonprofit organizations that I think are important for them to understand is number one, it's really important that you stop seeing yourself as an organization and you start seeing yourself as a brand. In the hierarchy of things when it comes to marketing and advertising and communications, I always challenge my audience and I'll, and, and I'll ask them, I'll say, so I'm going I'm to give you some terms. I'm going to give you a term uh, marketing. I'm going to give you a term branding. I'm going to give you a term advertising. Rank those for me in terms of big concept to smaller concept. No, and almost nobody gets it right. Right. But the reality is, as I said, you know, advertising is a tool of marketing. You do marketing to become a brand. A brand is nothing more than a mental shortcut for what an organization is and what they stand for and what they do, right? So everybody wants to become a brand. You just flat out do. The smartest companies, the ones that are the most valuable today on the stock market and so on, are the companies that have realized a long time ago they're not a company, they're a brand. Apple, Starbucks, Harley Davidson, Nike, all these companies. You talk to the people inside those companies, and they see themselves not as a company, but as a brand. And they do everything to reinforce that brand, right down to the people that they hire, the environments that they create. There is no decision at an Apple or a Nike that doesn't go through their brand filter because they understand their brand is so valuable that that is really what causes their growth, right? And so an organization, a nonprofit organization, needs to get themselves in that same position and say to themselves, we got to build our brand. And our brand is about promises made and promises delivered. And what are people going to remember about that, right? And when I, when I tell people about how powerful branding is today, I love this example. I, I speak to college kids all the time, right? And I, and I bring up how powerful Brands are and how important they are and and uh, and how ubiquitous they are in our culture and why it is the gold standard for what you want to aim your organization for, whether you're a for-profit or a nonprofit. And then I'll ask them. I go, I go. For example, I'm going to mention some brand names to you, and I want you to tell me what comes to your mind. You know, because I, I I've done this a lot, and I can t- I can basically tell you what's going to come to your mind. But I want you to go. Let's just play this game, right? And so. I love doing it with college students because you'll hear why. So I'll, I'll say, okay, Apple. I go, tell me what you think. You know, people go, cool. You know, technology, you know, hip, the best, you know, da 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 right? I go, good, good, yeah. Amazon. And they'll go, oh, yeah, you know, shop online, get it fast. You know, they got everything, you know, and so on and so on, right? I go, yeah, that's great. Did any of you happen to think of the fruit or the rainforest? Not one. That's a culture shift. And so that tells you how powerful branding is, right? And so two other things that I would say from that standpoint are, one is a concept that I've been working with, especially since COVID. This concept actually I developed over COVID and have been refining it and it really works. And, And this really works for nonprofit organizations. And it's like when you think about the kind of brand you are, you can end up in one of three categories. You're either a candy brand, you're a vitamin brand, or you're a painkiller. And people say, "Well, what's what's a candy brand in the nonprofit world?" And and I get I get nonprofit organizations mad at me all the time when I bring up this example. And I go, "You know, I no offense, right? I love the symphony. I love the arts, right? I love art museums. I think they're all fantastic, right? But, you know, when push comes to shove and COVID comes along, that stuff just drops off my radar, right? Because it's candy. It's good stuff. You know, it's really sweet. I love it. Uh, But when push comes to shoves and and things are, things are down, if I don't have much money left to give to something, I I feel like I need to support something. It ain't going to be the symphony.
0: Right. That's a great point. I think a lot of people have that same mentality for sure. Yep. And we saw that the numbers bear that out for COVID.
1: Totally. And I go, I go, and quite honestly, you know, but, most nonprofit organizations actually fall into the category of a vitamin. Like, well, that would be really good to do. Like when you think about taking vitamins, it's a little bit like exercise. It's like, you know, that's stuff I probably should do. And I bet you it's really good for you to do it. It's just for whatever reason, you just kind of put it off, you know? And so until someone nudges you and nudges you and nudges you and nudges you, and finally you give in and you send them some money because, you know, that'd be a good thing to do. Or maybe I'll do it next year. You know, I'll keep that on my list, right? But then there are painkiller brands and what we saw during COVID was the painkiller brands are the frontline workers, right? You know, the police departments, the fire departments, the hospitals, the healthcare, you know, the food and stuff like, you know, hunger. These are, you know, medicine, getting people what they need, right? Those are painkiller brands. You cannot ignore them. We have to do something about that, right? When I started working with my nonprofit organization clients, At the beginning of COVID, I just said, you know, one thing I learned from 9-11 was catastrophes aren't necessarily the worst thing that can possibly happen to the nonprofit world. Matter of fact, they can be some of the best things to happen in the nonprofit world. I had all kinds of clients on 9-11 freak out and stop their advertising and their marketing thinking, this is 9-11. It's going to distract everybody. They're not going to give any money. Guess what? Giving went up significantly in the United States because people were sitting home and they were scared, but they knew that there were other people that needed help. And so they started giving more than they ever have before. And so when COVID came about, I actually told my nonprofit clients, I said, don't be surprised if giving goes up, but it only goes up for the clients that know how to to present their story as if they're a painkiller because vitamins and candy aren't going to work right now. But the last one I would tell you about, probably the best piece of advice that I give any nonprofit organization is, and I usually end my speeches on this point, I said, if there's only one thing you need to know about marketing, and one thing only, and I hate to say this to you because I'm a storyteller and I love creating great stories and creating beautiful stories and stuff like that. But the reality is, frequency wins.
0: Frequency wins. Okay. Talk about that. Explain that a little bit more.
1: More times you can get in front of people, the more times you're going to win. As much as I want it to be a great story every single time, I'm just telling you the, the organizations that really understand frequency, getting your message out in front of people frequently is what wins. And I, I go back to the for-profit world on this one, and I, and I challenge people that people are like, what are you talking about? And I say, okay, I wanna, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Is McDonald's the best food you ever ate? And people say, obviously not, right? They sell more food than anybody else. Walmart, best retail experience you ever had in your life? No. There's nobody close to Walmart in terms of size and scale, in terms of retail, right? Uh, Budweiser, best beer you ever drank? I, I haven't found too many beer drinkers that have, have agreed with me on that one, right? <laughs> right. Uh, why, are, why are they the king of beers? Because these organizations understand getting your message out there sometimes not really beautifully and sometimes not even really well is more important than sitting around and waiting for the right message. So getting your name out there and creating familiarity and awareness is job number one.
0: That's interesting. Frequency wins. That's a, uh, great phrase. I think that's going to be very helpful for my listeners just who are maybe struggling, like you said, to get the exact wording at the right moment with the right budget to get it out there. You're like, no, just frequency, get in front of people as early and as often as possible.
1: Yeah. There's nothing wrong with, you know, getting something out there and going, you know, and getting some feedback and go, I can make it better. But sometimes you don't know that till you get it out there, right? Get it out there, learn, you know, learn and learn fast. Most of the business people that I know that are super successful at marketing will say, I don't know, let's just get out there and you know, let's not be afraid to learn something. Matter of fact, I tell people all the time, the most successful business people that I know are the people who see everything not as a win-lose proposition, but see it as a win-learn proposition. So if they don't win, what did they learn? And they're going to use that learning to come back and win. And, and so nonprofit organizations, I think, they see the donor money as you know, something that they have to steward so much. But guess what? If you, if you tell them, especially a smart business, uh, nonprofit donor, hey, you know, we, we did this stuff. We did the best we could. We got out in the marketplace and we learned something and we're going to be better next time as a result. That donor would be like, that was a good investment because now you're going to get better and you're going to be able to raise more money because of what you learned, even though you didn't do it perfectly the first time. That's okay. Get out there, create some awareness and, and frequency. And just get better and better as you move along.
0: Well, I want people to be able to dive into this book. You've already given us some great nuggets today. How can people find out a little bit more about you?
1: Yeah, do domoregood.org. It's the easiest place to go to find out more about me and about the book and about the organization.
0: That's great. Well, Bill, thanks so much for sharing your insights today. Thanks for all you do to really bolster the nonprofit sector as a whole and really, really challenge us all to do a better job of telling our story and a better job of marketing really, uh, because it is so critical for the success of nonprofits down the road. And I think even more so now, I think because of the world we live in. So thanks for your time.
1: Agreed. And it's an honor to be able to serve the nonprofit community and they do so much good. And Hopefully you hear from my passion that all I really want them to do is be able to do even more good in the future.
0: Hey friends, well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community Find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business.